Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time at WGN. Yeah, we started here in the 90s. I produced Bob Collins and Roy Leonard. And I produced Spike and Cochran. So we spent our 20s as wing women for each other. And it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and we stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. And we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to talk about topics that intrigue us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average. We're not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we already have. So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and look. Apparently, putting distance between you and your kids is a good thing. And I'm talking about summer camp. So did you ever go to summer camp, Tracy? I did. I went to a Girl Scout camp. Okay. How was it? Uh, it was a week sleep away. I'm trying to remember what how old I was, but um, it was a good experience, but it was kind of bad at the same time because I didn't hear from my folks for a whole week. So and wait, so I know your I know your parents, and I got to say that's that's hard to believe. Yes, it was um, one of those yurts, you know. So it was a cabin, like a platform tent thing. Yeah. And um, I was with two of the girls in my Girl Scout troop, and I was so excited to go. It was my first time away. I was a little nervous, but you know, I was like, I was ready because my friends were going. And um, every day, when around noontime at lunchtime, Wendy and Lisa. And everyone else in my cabin were getting care packages with cookies and notes and stickers and pen and paper and, you know, stamps to write. And I got nothing. Literally, I didn't get, I think I cried myself to sleep a couple times because I was like distraught that it was so unlike my mom. I was like, wow, she's really happy to get rid of me. (laughs) She apparently time away from you is what she wanted. Yes, exactly. Well, (laughs) she didn't, wasn't alone. She has my two sisters, but I, all I remember is that the last day to get picked up, it was raining. I can, I can still visually see this 30 plus years later and we're underneath a, um, a plastic canopy to stay dry with our suitcase or our backpack. And my mom rolls up in the line to pick us up, to pick me up. And I get in the car, and I just absolutely unload and start bawling in the backseat of our um, station wagon. <laughs> Did it have wood paneling? It was a wood paneling <laughs> station wagon. And I just unloaded. I can't believe. And she's like, I sent you something. You didn't get it. She must have waited until Monday or Tuesday, and it just didn't literally get there. I got it when we got back home, like a couple days later. But it literally destroyed me to not hear from them for a week. That's funny. See, now I went as a kid... I only went once. My cousin was going to a sleepaway camp, and she wanted me to go with her. And they were worried that she wouldn't adjust well without a friend, right? So, and I was a year younger, so I was six. And I went, and my cousin stayed in our room almost the entire time. And I made a bunch of friends. And it was like shocker, uh, it, yeah, yeah. But it was like a sing along camp, and I was like, you know, like rise Wait, and shine. Six years old, yeah. Oh my! <laughs> and they're like, and it, I wasn't six. <laughs> it was like a like a Bible camp, and it wasn't my religion either. It was my cousin's religion, so I'm just listening. Rise and shine, give God your glory, glory. And my cousin's like, ah. So, um, but I had a great time, but I never went back. 
it was a one, a one and done one and done yeah mm. um and i think also because my parents sort of thought we lived in a pretty rural area they were like we we are camp yeah you know we'd go out in the morning every and summer like, is camp for yeah, our yeah. backyard and the, have you sent your kids to camp i did i for the first time last year this is why this subject today is really hits home because um it was kate it was her first camp last year a sleepaway for a week and i'm quite sure that it was way harder on me than it was on her it, it was it was brutal it was agonizing and what was agonizing about it not knowing if she was okay. Right. Because, you know, a lot of camps nowadays, I don't know if the girls have gone, but um, there's no communication. There's no phone. Nope. Which I was actually totally psyched about. But then um, there was no communication back and forth. So I could send, it was a one-way street. So I faxed. So it was a Harry <laughs> Potter. faxed? I, it was a Harry Potter week. Okay. Um, theme for the camp. And so every day I like made this logo with like Ravenclaw or like what Huff and Puff or whatever the, I forget what the names of the Huff Harry- and Puff. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, you know what I'm talking about? The, yeah. The, the, the schools or whatever. Yeah, Gryffindor yeah, or something. So I, and then I would write my note like, I hope today you're canoeing or this or that and the other thing. And, but you never hear anything because no. they're not allowed to write you back. Like they could write you a letter and we never, I went to the mailbox every day faithfully doug and i would like fight to go to go to the mailbox he <laughs> yeah. was gonna go first to get the and nothing oh. not not a single letter did you send self-addressed stamped envelopes with her did you oh yeah oh okay <laughs> she was having too much fun so i was going all over the whole week we're like like figuring out what oh maybe she's just so busy and she just doesn't have time or oh maybe you know maybe she's sad or i you know and she doesn't want to tell us and she's miserable and she doesn't want to um disappoint us that she was going or something i don't know there was just i was racking my brain for an entire week and so that saturday morning could not i was i think i was the first car that rolled into the camp to go get her (laughs) did you send her a care package like your mom did to you i didn't okay that's why she she didn't write you because yeah i didn't no brownies yeah no (laughs) m&ms yeah so no i it was really it was painful for me but in the end when she came home I went and picked her up, and she was gathering her friends at the cabin in front of the cabin and wanted pictures. Mom, Mom, can you take a picture? Because obviously she didn't have her phone still. Right. Can you take a picture of me and Emily or whatever out front? And they were all high-fiving each other, saying goodbye. And I was like, thank goodness. Well, all right. So It could have gone the other way. Well, and this is, I think, the point. Well, our guest is going to is going to make to us. I think that it's very valuable for them to get away from us. Uh-huh. It's probably valuable for us too, but uh, we'll find out. Um, let's uh, we'll welcome our guest now. So, Dr. Michael Thompson is a New York Times best-selling author, a consultant, and a psychologist who specializes in children and perhaps their mothers. His, <laughs> his book, Homesick and Happy: How Time Away from Parents Can Help a Child Grow, focuses on the benefits of sleepaway summer camps. Michael, thanks for your patience, and welcome oh, to the show. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Tracy. Hi. Hi. So just break it down briefly for us. Why is camp good for kids? Look, this is a very conscientious generation of parents yeah. who want to be in tune with their children. That's an understatement. Who want to be at every game, <laughs> who want to be supportive every second. And there's an assumption behind it, which is that the parental presence always adds value. Right? Yep. If if I'm there watching my child do an activity, that adds value for my child. I just want to attack that premise. Is that true? 
I think you're um, going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no, because if your daughter's playing in a town soccer game, what's most important to her is what's going on with her teammates, mm-hmm. the quality of the opposition, and the coach. But if her mother and father are standing there, then she may have to be seeing the game through their eyes. She may be have to be anticipating what her father's going to ask her in the car going home. Mm. And in fact, many kids say they give up town sports because they dread the conversation with the excited, overexcited father yep. <laughs> in the car. But for me, the issue comes down to psychological ownership of your own life. You can't know it really is just your life unless you do it on your own. So if you go to camp at six, you know, ooh, I'm at six capable of being away from home and looking after myself, even with my cousin, because my mom and dad weren't there. And I know I can do it. Wait, uh, I tell parents who come to hear my talks about camp, the single most important thing about sleepaway camp is not the activities, it's not the canoeing, it's not the theater, it's not the horseback riding. The single most important thing about camp is that you aren't there. The <laughs> parents aren't there. That is what makes it such a vivid life experience. In your book, you talk, too, about the, the sort of the disconnect from technology, the disconnect um, from, from the parents. But, you know, what is it about being in nature? Because I live in the city of Chicago. Tracy's in a, a suburb of Chicago. But um, they don't get outside much. Right. Not as much no, as I'd uh, like. A free, undirected neighborhood play has died in the lives of American children. Nothing and organically it's a, happens. It's a, it's a very serious loss. Because kids used to be able to organize their own games. Um, They used to uh, be able to nurture their friendships and their grudges and then go back the next day and do it and then go back the next day and do it. Everything's planned now. Like you plan a play date. It's all adult supervised. Yeah, it's like a Petri dish. Um, So I work at a boys' school, an independent boys' school outside Boston, and, and, and we had an eighth grade boy came his first year with us and we start our hockey season right after thanksgiving but then we have a two-week break for christmas and he went to the director of athletics uh, george tahan he said mr tahan will there be ice time for belmont hill boys over christmas vacation and and mr tahan said of course we always have ice time for recreational ice time and, and the boy said i don't mean like skating in circles i mean pucks and sticks and Mr. Tan said, of course, of course, we've pucks and sticks. And the boy said, well, w- will there be goalies there? And Mr. Tan said, I, I don't know. You- maybe you'd have to call him. Long <laughs> pause. And the boy said, well, well can you call him? <sighs> and-, and George Tahan, who grew up in upstate New York near the P- Finger Lakes and spent his boyhood organizing games of hockey on a lake and getting other boys to help him uh, shovel the snow off so they could have a game and called goalies and stuff like that. He realized he was talking to a boy who had probably been playing town hockey since he was six or seven, but had never organized a game of hockey. Right. When adults are involved, something is lost. Leadership, uh, fellowship, because everybody relates to the adult. And I know this generation of parents adores it. <laughs> but... It's really helpful for kids to go away and 
organize their own games. Well, what do you mean? They have counselors. Well, yeah, but the counselors are just... Facilitators. The kids. They're just big kids. They're 19, 20, 21. And they do a very good job. And they're amazing. And it's a huge growth experience for them. But they aren't 45-year-old <laughs> teachers or 45-year-old parents, you know? Right. My kids go and, to a YMCA camp. And they've gone for three years now. And their counselors are like 19 and 20 years old. But they are yep. incredible role models. And so my yes, they are. my little girls go away. And they come back more grown up i mean sometimes it's 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 dramatic you know they yeah, come back five with, days oh, how that happened yeah but yep. these counselors send them write them a long letter at the end of camp telling them what they valued about them and then they uh they have a picture and they sign the picture and so they like in the top drawer of my daughter's dresser there are these photos of these significant people in her life who are not me <laughs> that's it's, awesome it is nice she's, she's building up a series of uh, characters who are role models, and, and they don't live with her. Right. In, in my chapter on the magic of camp, I, I said quite a few things. I think the magic of camp is actually child development. Mm-hmm. But it's a hard sell, you know, because um, uh, the camps want to sell themselves as fun. Uh, and I'm saying, no, no, development. That's what camp is, is about. But I said the, the, the linchpin, the, the, the central, most important magic is the love between 19-year-olds and 12-year-olds. Right. That you have no idea. Uh, yes, you do. You have that letter in, the, in, the, in their daughter's drawer. The love that kids have for these big kids, mm-hmm. these young adults, and, and the care and the real feeling that, that these counselors develop about uh, kids. You know, they're their younger brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and they take such good care of them. Everybody grows, and everybody grows very close, and you have to train counselors to be responsible, and good camp directors do that, and they monitor them because, after all, they're college kids. But the experience of a 12-year-old getting to know a college student, I say to parents who ask me, what's the best way to motivate my child to want to go to college? And I say, send him to camp. (laughs) Have him get to know a college kid. I mean, really, they're unbelievable. I want to be like them. Yes. My, that was one thing I was really proud of my daughter because um, oftentimes, like, uh, the kids go with people they know, and she didn't yeah. know a soul. And here's one thing that was really wonderful. I was so proud of her that she took ownership and said, Mom, I want to do this. I want to go. And, you know, and I'm trying to, like, not talk her out of it, but I was like, well, do you want to ask Lauren to go or Summer? Or do you want who do you want to ask to come with you? And she's like, no, I just want to go. I, it's okay. And there's something magical, I think, about camp in that you get to recreate yourself. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be the person that everyone knows you at school and in your class. That's right. And I, I think it was liberating. I know kids go to camp change their name. No way, I mean, really? Use their middle name as their, it, say, that's my name. You know, they just try out a new persona. No way. Hey, Michael, when my mom went to college, she changed her name. There you go. Her name is Judy. It was in the 60s, and she changed her name to Jackie, because Jackie Uh, O, probably, right? Or Jackie uh Kennedy. And so people, when I was growing up, people would call and be like, is Jackie there? These are her friends from college. And I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, wrong number. (laughs) Because she went as a totally different persona, right? So how can you convince a parent to... um to let go of uh, their... How can I convince a parent not to send some Harry Potter thing by fax every day? <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Michael. Particularly if it's Huff and Puff. <laughs> I couldn't remember Ravenclaw, whatever, but it was, it was something... Your child does not need to hear from you every day. 
it's not that bad to have a break from your parents. But see, you won't know that until you actually do it. Like now, That's now looking exactly ba- right. Now looking back, I have no qualms. I'd sign her up tomorrow if if we there was a camp that she wanted to go to. It's getting to that point of letting go is what. Um, I'm, I've been called a helicopter parent. I'll, that's fine. I'll own it. But, uh, it's just that now I'm okay with it, but how do you convince, like, how do you get to that point where you're like, understand that they're going to live through it and it's going to be okay? Yes. And there may be a few days of homesickness and for a small minority of kids, there may be some really painful homesickness and that's hard for a parent to bear at a distance. But what you ultimately have to be able to do is trust uh, the folks who run these camps. The people who run camps are not in it for the money. They are in it because it's a way of life. They believe in it, and they love the relationships with children, and they are so excited. I'll tell you my camp story. I was sitting there listening to you, your camp story. I, I sent my daughter, Joanna. She was never going to have trouble being away. She was always a kind of out-the-door, first kid out-the-door. Mm-hmm. But... She loved horseback riding, and we sent her to this camp, a general camp in Vermont, where you had to uh, pay a big premium for the horseback riding. Mm-hmm. Horses are expensive. So we paid this big premium, and then I went and picked her up at the camp. I said, uh, Joe, uh, how was the horseback riding? She said, I didn't do it. <gasps> I said, what do you mean? I, I, we paid a big premium. Yeah. We paid a big premium for you to do it. She said, I didn't like the counselor. I did it for two days, and I didn't like the counselor. Huh. I'm thinking all that money. Yeah. I said, "What did Lushed. you do instead?" She be, she said, "I I did went sailing." Oh. And I I said, "All the time." She said, "Every day." And I said, "Why did you do that?" She said, "Cuz I really liked the counselor." Wow. So it was and really thought, about the person. Oh, okay. My daughter, she was 11. She made an independent decision evaluating two grown-ups, one she didn't like and one she liked. And she went with the one she liked. And I, she didn't go with the money. <laughs> and, she, and she learned something new. That's right. And she will always say she's the best sailor in the family, which is true. <laughs> and she learned it at that camp. And, okay, I was not willing to pay for horseback riding the next summer. No, right. But in the end, you have to stand back and go, okay, this is my child expressing her autonomy. If I'd been there, I would have forced her to do horseback riding because I'd paid extra money for it right right yep what about nowadays with um like when i was in girl scout camp obviously there were not cell phones um i would imagine the camp experience now without a cell phone there's a little detoxification that's going on for the kids and the adults not being able to two or three days can be tough on some kids you know they're not on instagram they're not on facebook they especially 11, 12, and 13-year-old girls, they stay there, sort of uh, have the DTs for a couple of days. (laughs) But um, then after that, the older girls are teaching them camp songs and all of those things that they do at lunch where they bang their hands and elbows and cups on the table and do these chanting funny numbers. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that only kids can teach kids. Do do the two of you know uh, a, a rope skipping Rhyme, eeny, meeny, sicilini, doo-wop, boppolini, achi-cachi, liberace. No, but I like no. it when you say it. It sounds great. Right? Do you do you remember? Did you do? Did you skip rope? We did. Girls? Yeah. Yeah, and there was something like that. Do you remember like the that. rhymes? 
I don't anymore. <laughs> yeah, but not we anymore. did we did have no. them though for sure. You did have them. Yeah. yeah. But they're not written down. That is an oral tradition okay. among kids and that's what's lost in neighborhood play. Kids are not teaching each other. And um I was at a boys camp um this counselor did this absolutely ridiculous uh thing that went on forever. It was like a long uh, endlessly long epic poem with refrains that boys chanted and I, I said to him where'd that come from where'd you learn that he said oh I learned it when I was a kid here at this camp <laughs> yeah it's been passed down yeah and the, the boys loved it they just loved it and it was hugely corny and it was hardly good poetry I assure you but it was uh, there were 300 boys chanting the responses to this poem and just loving this counselor could do it. Where do you get that in school? You don't. Where, it's not something you can get anywhere. Can't get it in school, can't get it in town sports. You, those, those kinds of things are so vivid and meaningful because the kids know, oh, my parent didn't approve this, my parent doesn't know anything about it, it belongs me. Also, the same thing's true with the camp songs. Um, I, when I was little, my, my dad had gone to a camp, and there was a song called, it went, I want to wake up in the morning at dear old Camp Echo. Anyway, my husband went to another camp in Minnesota or Wisconsin, and they had the same song, but he was like, dear old Camp St. Croix. And I was like, wait a minute, that's my dad's song. That's not your song, <laughs> but these universal songs. And you can find people so I, I now have friends who send their kids to the same camp my dad went to, and they know the song, too. It's like a secret code, right? You know, it's like membership. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's a, it's a secret code that kids know that they didn't learn from their parents. They didn't learn from the teachers. And I, it's this, this business of psychological ownership. I have a life out there. Mm-hmm. I have a life. And the, the saddest thing to me is when parents need to kind of claim that life or I, and I so admire when parents give it up I was in, once in Hawaii now there are not a lot of camps in Hawaii so many of the parents who can send their children to camps in California well right. that's a big deal it's a five hour plane trip and this mother in Hawaii told me my, every day I would get up and look for photos on the camp website of my child trying to see my child and what he was doing every day and she said, you know, at the end of the summer, I realized my seeing his photos had nothing to do with his camp experience. His camp experience was his. And so the second year I stopped and I congratulated her. Well, but Michael, said, that, that is so good. But what's funny is that last year, my daughters went to camp with a friend who sent her daughter. And I, of course, check the website every day uh, for the photos. And one of my daughters happens to love the camera. So she was in the photos every day. And my friend's daughter was never in a photo. And my friend was like, what? She must be having a miserable time. She must be. Where is she? I assumed that it was bad. Yeah. And in fact, it was because this little girl was too busy doing other things. She didn't care about the camera. But that's what happened with Kate. When I at the end of the week, I said, where's where? 
where's my letters? Like, well, you didn't write me back. And she's like, mom, I was busy. I was hanging out with blah, 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 and this person and doing this. And, and it was all like an innocent thing. Like there was no malice or no, like it wasn't like she wasn't thinking about me or anything. She just was having fun. And you know what? It was like a slap in the face. I felt like a complete idiot (laughs) when it was over. Cause I'm like, of course, that's why I didn't get it. I'm such an idiot. Like I I should have known. (laughs) So I interviewed at the end of homesick and happy. I interviewed a, a a comic writer, David Barry. Oh yeah, yeah. A humor column for the uh, Miami Herald for years. I was only able to get hold of him because he had been a camp counselor with my brother a million years ago. That is uh, Dave so Barry's in his seventies now. Yeah, and um, I got him on the phone. I said, "Tell me about your camp experience being a camp counselor." And he did tell me some funny stories there in the book. But what he wanted to talk about was that his nine-year-old daughter had gone to camp the previous summer, and he was still upset about it. Why? I, and I, I said, why, exactly? And he said, well, because she, she went away from me. She had so much fun. It's all she can talk about, and it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Ah, <laughs> yep, there's I, the rub. I laughed. He was self-mocking on his part, and it is funny, but every parent has to realize they are not the wellspring of all fun. That's going to be hard um, for my And that your kids can go away and create their own games, their own rhymes, their own songs, their own fun. I was reading a bunch of articles about this, and, and there were a bunch of do's and don'ts for when you're getting your your kid ready for camp. And yep. the thing that struck me was the pickup clause, which is say to your kid, listen, try it for a couple of days, and if you don't like yeah. it, I'll pick you up. Because yeah. you're, you're setting yourself up for failure, Right. And it's a vote of no confidence, basically. It's saying, I'm not sure you can do this, but I'll rescue you. Yeah, which is then all about the parent. Right. It's all about the parent. I am the white horse rescuing parent. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'm thinking when I'm saying these things. <laughs> it's what you're thinking. Yeah, that's funny. And also talk about the camp ahead of time and say how great it's going to be rather than like, well, you're probably not going to like the food or if you don't like your bunkmate, yeah. you know. That's common sense. But it's all, it is important to say, are you worried about missing home? Are you worried about missing your brother? Are you worried about... Um, missing your sister you worry about missing your pet what do you think is going to be the hardest um because you do need to talk through a little bit about homesickness and chris thurber is a psychologist who's written a guide that the american camp association distributes and and he's actually the foremost researcher of homesickness in the world Hmm. um uh, he's a psychologist for a boarding school phillips exeter academy but he studied campers for a couple of decades now. And you do need to be frank with your kid that there's going to be some missing, there's going to be some pain, and that you know that you have confidence that he or she can work their way through it. But it a bit acknowledged that it, you know, it may give him a bad night, bad couple of nights. Mm-hmm. I had a woman in Toronto who said to me, Oh, my God, my first year at camp, it was terrible. I was desperately homesick. I, 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 I cried myself to sleep every night for a month. I said, oh, my God, what happened after that? And she said, well, I went back a second year. I said, how did you do that? Why did you decide uh, to go back to camp? She said, she said, I knew I had to beat it. Wow. wow. And I think there are a lot of kids who don't tell their parents exactly how homesick they were 
because they don't want their parents to get overexcited, keep them from going to camp, because they know they have to grow up. My own son, who suffered from extreme homesickness, when I read Chris Serber's research, I went back to my son, Will, who was 20 at the time. I said, Will, were you, I knew you were pretty upset in camp. Were you homesick every day? He said, yes, Dad. And I said, why did you go back the second year? And he said, you wanted me to, Dad. Mm. Oh, I felt so guilty and terrible. I said, no, seriously, you know your mom would have sided with you. <laughs> you could have talked to your way out of it. His mother never went to camp, and she's not the biggest fan at that time. And I said, so why did you go? And he said, Dad, if you can't learn to sleep away from your parents, it means you have to live with them for the rest of your life. God bless him. <laughs> So it sounds like you did a pretty good job with both your kids. Well, and and different temperaments, one much more bold and one Mm -hmm. much more cautious. But when my son was in college in freshman year, he had a roommate who couldn't handle it all and dropped out of college. Right. And my son, Will, was never homesick in college. Because he'd beat it. He'd done it. And I got to say, when I went to college, I was miserable for the first three weeks because, you know, and we didn't, like, we had a payphone. Like, so I had to call my parents on a payphone. But um, right. but then you get over it, and, and thank God. Otherwise, I'd still be living with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then you wouldn't be doing a parenting show at all. <laughs> no, because no one's going to live with me. Um, <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much for, for joining us. I know that you're so valuable to us. Um, you've written many books. I want to emphasize Homesick and Happy, How Time Away from Parents Can Help a Child Grow. I would suggest it for all parents because there are other lessons, too about, you know, with camp and the multi-generational getting along and, and risk-taking and rituals and, and just life lessons that, you know, are... Oh, you have read it, and thank you. Yeah, I had a lot of fun reading that, and I visited 21 camps. Oh, wow. Um, I got to see a lot of kids, and I got to talk to a lot of kids, uh, the vast majority of whom were thriving and other kids who were struggling to conquer the scary parts of camp. But it was... They all grow from it. Well, we so appreciate you coming on with us. And um, we, there's, there's a chance we'll be calling you again. Yes. Thank you so Please. much. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you, Michael. All right. Bye, Bye now. So apparently, we need to be better parents. <sighs> <laughs> We've got to let go, Tracy. This is rough. <laughs> this, these, whenever we talk about these things, I when, and talking about it and not being in the moment with my daughter talking about these things, it really makes me realize, like, wow. Also... I think I have to own that when they come back changed and and more grown up, I feel like I've missed something. So it's a selfish thing. Like I I, I want them to be more grown up. I want them to be independent. But you want to watch it and see it happen. I want to watch them grow, and you, I can't. Right. But you know, don't you feel like because we're so involved in their lives that, and also because you know, I'm taking pictures all the time, I'm taking videos all the time. Like there's almost nothing they've done that hasn't been recorded by yes. me. Yes. Yes. And. I don't want to miss a thing. So going off the grid for from mom and dad for a little while is is a beneficial thing. It basically is what Michael's saying. Yes. And that and that's okay. She grows by just letting the the leash go. Yeah. <laughs> mom <laughs> leash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, well then next year camp, right? Hey, maybe we could send them together. <laughs> 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 that way, we we let them grow, but we can hear about can, it from each other. You can be on my facts. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, those puffin we'll stuffs. Share, <laughs> share, share my facts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Ann Johnsos. I'm Tracy Weiner. We'll see you next time. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they 
and take a look. 